This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Suddenly, it's February and schools are back in full swing. Classrooms are bustling, to-do list items are multiplying and staff rooms are establishing or re-establishing the conversations that will continue throughout the school year. The important question is what is the quality of those conversations? Is the dialogue in your staff room one of proactivity and support or one of pessimism, cynicism and hopelessness? Now, I'm not discounting the need for debriefing after difficult days or for the occasional occupational whinge. We all need that from time to time. And this isn't just about being positive all the time because that's actually toxic rubbish. It's invalidation of people's feelings and avoidance of the tough stuff at best, bypassing of responsibility, manipulation and victim blaming at worst. So I'm not about pasting over the hard stuff and just pretending to be positive all the time. But there is a very real difference between the odd grumpy water cooler conversation combined with a bit of dark humour and the discourse of constant negativity that leads staff rooms to end up full of depleted teachers before the year has even really begun, I might add. Every conversation we have, both with others and with ourselves via our inner monologues, shapes culture. And the culture of a school, workplace or community has a dramatic impact not only on academic and organisational achievement, but also on well-being and resilience. If we were all fish, culture would be the water we are swimming around in. So how's the water in your fish tank? One of my coaching clients last year referred to the countdown culture that exists in many schools. That sense of no sooner has the term begun then somebody is already counting down to the next school holidays or the end of the year. Talk about wishing your life away. I remember working with a woman whose catchphrase was, it's all effed, mate, and she didn't say effed. This was her response to every piece of communication from admin, no matter what it was. It's all effed. It's just this kind of conversation that slowly subtly and persistently eats away at the culture of a classroom, a staff room and a school community. And it also eats away the joy in your life. It puts a dark and obscured filter over the lens through which we see the world and pretty soon everything looks dark and dangerous and dirty. It's been said that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. I think that was a Tony Robbins quote. But how about instead of asking how long until holidays, we start asking a better question. How can we make the time in between the holidays, which is most of our life, better, more enjoyable, more collegial, more supportive, more resilient? If that seems too much, why not simply swap? It's all effed for it's challenging, but I have a 100% track record for getting through the tough days. So far, And so today I know I will get through and what is one thing I can do to support myself? 
Of course, you can't control anyone but yourself. That's what the rest of today's episode is about. It's about shifting your own personal culture when you're surrounded by a culture that is undermining your health and well-being, that is maybe encouraging you to go down the depleted path instead of resilient path. But you also can influence others, even if you can't control them. And so this February, I have a gentle challenge for you to influence the conversations and the culture within your classroom, staff room, and school for the better. Flourishing February is a community campaign set up to cultivate flourishing school communities and cultures by planting seeds of conversation and quality questions at the start of term one that can continue to germinate throughout the school year. It grew from a series of conversations between four passionate educators and school wellbeing advocates, me, Ellen from Self-Care for Teachers, Katrina from Katrina Burke Coaching, Trudy from Teachers Thriving, and Katie from Mighty Me. Flourishing February is all about staff and school communities all over Australia, not about any of the individual businesses that are involved. This is pitch free. We just want to get your staff room talking about ways you can support yourselves and each other this year, not just in February, throughout 2021 and beyond. So we designed a series of posters that you can print and put up in your classroom, your staff room or your school common room and share with your students, colleagues and school community. I reckon putting them on the mirror in the bathroom or on the back of the bathroom door, the toilet stall door, would be a good place to start because that's the place many of us go and it's sometimes the only place. We have five minutes to ourselves in a day. So we hope these posters will get the conversation started and prompt you to ask quality questions of yourself and each other in February and throughout the rest of the year. Get involved, help us build the movement. You can follow at Flourishing February on Facebook and Instagram for all the prompts and download the posters at www.flourishingfebruary.com.au. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, teachers. I am talking to you today about four steps to shift your personal culture. So, we have school culture, we have, you know, culture and society, and you may be part of other groups that have different sorts of culture. Today, I am talking about the culture that you uh, are surrounded by and what to do if you don't like it, right? So, I will get into the four steps for that in a minute, but I think that so many teachers that come to talk to me, whether it's for coaching or in, you know, direct messages on Instagram or wherever it is, so many teachers will share with me that they have some goals or some dreams that they would like to make real or they would just, you know, like to be a more proactive, you know, happy, healthy person, but they're surrounded by either a school situation or other situations that are they feel like is a barrier for them. And I think oftentimes the reason they feel that is because of culture. And we get into habits and mindsets and behaviours that either take us towards what we want or away from what we want. So, a couple of definitions of culture that I find really helpful. Number one, if you just like Google it, which I just did right now before I jumped on here, it's, you know, the definition is that culture is the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. So, a group of people or a society. The ideas, the customs, and the social behavior. So, the things that we think and believe, the actions that we take habitually and ritualistically, and also just the general day-to-day behavior and actions. And I think that's a really 
like I'm sure if you think about your school and the the way the staff just the culture, the environment of your school, you can probably think of examples where, oh yeah, as a school we have some customs, some ideas, some behaviors that are either in alignment with your personal ideas and beliefs and, you know, what you maybe desire to be your behaviors, or maybe there maybe there's a real disconnect there and that's where you're feeling a little bit it's uncomfortable for you or you feel like it's holding you back or getting in your way of where you would like to be or how you would like to be. So love to hear if that resonates at all with you. The other definition of culture that I really like, and I heard this on a podcast spoken by Seth Godin, who is a writer and a a marketer and a super smart dude. He said that culture is basically seven words. People like us do things like this. People like us do things like this. That's what creates culture. So again, if you think about your school staff situation, people like us at your school staff, your, your, um, you know, colleagues do things like this. What are the ways they behave and the actions that they take and the, the thoughts and beliefs that, you know, are behind those actions that reinforce the sense of identity of the collective? That's, also what you might be feeling a real disconnect with. So the way this often, way I've seen this show up, some examples are, for example, a teacher who's really passionate about student well-being and cares more about the welfare and the, you know, mental, emotional um, and physical welfare of the children than the, the data, the academics. But maybe the school that they're in is really heavily focused on data and academics not to say that the, the school doesn't care about the social emotional well-being, but it's certainly not part of the conversation. The the conversation and the priority is all right, always around the data, the academics, you know, what are the academic results, what are the achievements of our students, not how are they feeling, how are they coping, how are they managing. And so many teachers that come to me are struggling with that sense of disconnect, feeling like, of course we we want students to do well, but I really care more about the social emotional well-being of these students and equally this plays out I see with with teachers who want to support their colleagues who really want to be school well-being champions and support the staff at their school as well and care more about the well-being of the adults in the room than about whether or not we hit every deadline and and can dot every i and cross every t and get all that data looking fancy and feeling a real disconnect with the sense of, well, hang on a minute. Of course, yes, we have some things that we have to get done, some paperwork, administrative tasks, et cetera, et cetera. But if people are depressed, miserable, burning out, bullying each other, like those are the things that we need to really address. And so that's often a disconnect that teachers tell me that they feel. They, they have a sense that whether or not it's the culture of the school, whether or not it's the, you know, it's particular people in leadership roles or particular people who are, you know, big personalities in, in the school, you know, in the staff room. But the, the people like us do things like this attitude is people like us, teachers like us, schools like us, focus more on the data than the people, focus more on the academics than the, the social emotional learning. And that can feel a real disconnect for a lot of teachers. So the other way I see this play out is with the depleted teacher. So I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before and there's an episode of the podcast from 
think about July 2020, where I share all about the depleted teacher. But the depleted teacher is somebody who is constantly, and you may recognize this person, constantly putting their own needs last, constantly sacrificing for the students. Also potentially, not always, but potentially is a people pleaser, potentially also a very much a kind of martyr type personality, like wearing busy as a badge of honor, very much having that sense of exhaustion is means I've done a good job and, and I'm not allowed to rest unless I've earned it with complete exhaustion. So the depleted teacher often is on the way to burnout because they're really running their physical, emotional, um, mental, spiritual, you know, batteries all the way down. And the depleted teacher often also has some ideas, some beliefs, some customs, some, you know, actions and behaviors that are reinforcing that sense of depletion and that that's what means you're a good teacher. That sense of depletion, that sense of having completely sacrificed everything for the students is what makes you a good teacher. And that if you stop and look after yourself, that's somehow selfish. So you may also be feeling that sense of disconnect if you feel like your school has a culture of depleted teachers. And I think, truthfully, I think education at large, you know, our profession does have a culture of depleted teachers. And remember, the culture is people like us do things like this. So people like us run our own personal batteries down so low, we deplete ourselves till we've got completely empty tanks because the students come first or because I just have to get to the end of the to-do list or because I get my sense of identity and self-worth from being busy and exhausted all the time and wearing that as a badge of honour, that people like us do things like this. Teachers, good teachers, are depleted. And people like us are doing things like this to make us depleted because that's what we have decided or that's an idea that we have, a belief that we have about being a good teacher. So when we're talking about how to shift that, if you personally, and this is where a lot of my clients come to me and it's a conversation I've been having with the resilient teacher group that's just started this round. If you personally want to shift some habits and beliefs in your life, but you feel like you're surrounded by people at school or a culture at school, a culture at work, or potentially also in your home life, very, very common for particularly women in our Western patriarchal society to absolutely have a lot of those people-pleasing, I'm only worthy if I'm exhausted and have given everything for everybody else tendencies. If you want to shift that and make some changes in your life, what you need to do if you recognize that you're surrounded by a culture that takes you away from where you want to go, that, that actually is taking you towards being depleted and you want to go towards being resilient and proactive and having, you know, strong boundaries, but also strong self-care practices and strong beliefs and strong self-worth that's independent of how busy and exhausted you are and independent of the data results of the students at your school or in your classroom. So I've got four steps that can help you shift that personal culture. Personal culture being if the general definition of culture is ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society, then we're going to talk about your personal culture being your ideas, your customs, and your your social behavior of you, of um, you know your own body and mind and your life. So if we want to shift that, I've got four steps for you today. 
Number one, you need to decide on the culture that you want. You need to be really proactive about this. So if currently you recognize that what you've got is not what you want, if what you've got is leading you towards depletion, if what you're surrounded by or what you've grown up with or what you've never really thought about before, but here it is, um, and you're kind of waking up to it, if what you've got is not what you want, you need to firstly just give yourself some self-compassion because that can be a hard thing to realize, but then also think about what you do want instead. So step number one is to decide on the culture that you want. So again, a couple of ways to do that would be just to think about, okay, well, if culture is ideas, customs, and behavior of a particular people or society, what are the ideas, customs, and behaviors? So thoughts and beliefs, actions and habits, and kind of day-to-day actions. So habits and rituals and day-to-day actions what would be the ones that I do want? What would be the ones that I think would take me towards where I want to go? Equally, you could think about it, well, people like us do things like this. Is this definition other way to think about culture? Well, if what I do want is more health and well-being, what I do want is to be a, a resilient teacher, what I do want is just not to be so damn tired all the time, well, what would be the things that I would do to be the person like that? So step number one is to decide what culture you do want. And I would actually challenge you to write that down. Write a bit of a list of the the beliefs and thoughts that, you know, what would you believe if you were a person who was embodying the culture of, you know, resilient teacher or the culture of well-being individually and also in your school, in your life, in your work. So what, what would the ideas and beliefs be? What would the customs and habits be? What would you be actually doing in a really proactive, intentional, repetitive way? And then what would be your social behaviors? What would be the way you interact with others? How would you show up in the world? So write that down. Have a play with it. Probably you'll have to sit with it for a few weeks. And it's totally okay in this case to actually start with, well, what what do I not want? And then flip it. Okay, if I don't want to be exhausted all the time, what do I want? Well, maybe I want more energy. If I don't want to be grumpy and whinging in the staff room at the end of every every staff meeting well what do I want instead okay I you know maybe I want to have more compassion for our leadership team or maybe I want to speak up more in the meeting so I don't leave the meetings feeling so resentful that I just you know said nothing even though I thought it wasn't a good idea so think about what you don't want and then what you do want that's step number one decide on the culture that you do want step number two is to then identify the thoughts beliefs and actions that enhance and promote or inhibit and undermine that culture. So maybe the belief that self-care is selfish is going to undermine, not maybe, definitely the belief that self-care is selfish is going to undermine your ability to make proactive choices that are good for you, you know, and put your own oxygen mask on first. If you have a subconscious belief that taking care of myself is wrong, and will somehow mean that other people miss out, even though that's not a fact, that's just a thought, and thoughts are not facts. If you have that belief, identifying that is a really important first step and identifying that that's taking you away from where you want to go and towards being that depleted teacher. And then you can start to think about, well, what again, what would be the flip? What can I replace that as? So self-care is not selfish. Self-care is essential. Self-care is... I'm just, I'm allowed, you know, it's my cup. I'm allowed to drink from my own cup before I pour it to anybody else. 
Not only I can't pour from an empty cup, but I can't even drink from an empty cup. And it's my cup. I should be the one drinking from my cup, damn it. So I, thinking about the, the thoughts and the behaviors and identifying what those thoughts and beliefs are and how they lead to then some of those behaviors that take you towards or away from the culture that you've decided in step one that you want. So step two is to identify those thoughts and beliefs and actions that will enhance and promote the culture you want and also the ones that inhibit or undermine that culture because by identifying them, you can then catch yourself in the act, catch yourself in the moment of having that big whinge in the staff room at the end of the day and thinking, no, I'm not a person that does this anymore. I'm going to pack up and go home and go and do something proactive for myself instead. So step two is identify what takes you towards and away from the culture that you want. Step number three, and this is a hard one, step number three is to surround yourself with people who get it and who will support you and hold you accountable to moving towards the culture that you want. Whether that culture is just in your own life, it may, you may not be able to actually make any shifts in your school right now, but you want to find some people, whether or not they're in your school, that will understand and will support you and, and take you towards what you want. So, for example, you shouldn't necessarily share it with all the staff room in your school if they are not people who will get it. If they're not safe people or if you think they're going to actually say, oh, don't be ridiculous and kind of drag you down. Like, oh, look at you and your high horse trying to be healthy while the rest of us are slogging away. You know, look at you. It's all right for you to, you know, people that will say things like that that make you feel like it's not safe to make the choices that are important to you or right for you. So you need to find psychologically safe people and you also need to find some people that will support and promote that. So, for example, the Resilient Teacher Group Coaching Program, that's exactly what it's designed to do, support from me but also other teachers who are on a similar journey making similar shifts in different parts of the country but who get it. Now, it's closed for this round but there's a waiting list if you want to sign up for the next round or, of course, you can do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me or you might have some teacher buddies either at your school or at a different school who you think are on this same wavelength. Well, maybe it's not even a teacher at all. Maybe it's your partner or some other kind of health professional. You know, maybe you're seeing a dietitian or a physiotherapist or somebody that can encourage you in making the shifts, the habits and beliefs that will take you towards what you want. So step number three is to surround yourself with people who get it and who will support you in your goal to reach that, that shift in culture where you're actually being a more proactive, resilient person who's practicing well-being as opposed to the the depleted person who's neglecting themselves and just feeling completely exhausted all the time but kind of proud of the fact that they're exhausted all the time. And step number four is to then actually take some action in that direction and that action could be as simple as every single morning, maybe you've got a post-it note on your mirror in, in the bathroom as you're getting ready and it's got some kind of affirmation on it that you reaffirm for yourself. Your self-care is uh, not selfish. I serve I deserve, you know, I'm giving back to the community. I'm allowed to give to myself as well. Or it might be something like I'm a person first and a teacher second and I'm worthy of my own care. The way we shift beliefs is by catching the beliefs that are not the ones that we want, the limiting beliefs, catching them in the act and that, that takes time. And it's really, it's about redirecting our thoughts into the place that we want them to go. So I'm not going to go into that whole process today, but taking action is step four. So taking action on your thoughts and beliefs, 
to make sure that they're taking you where you want to go and then taking action on your habits and, you know, your lifestyle changes that you need to make, the actions you need to make, the the social behaviors that need to change to shift you towards where you want to go. And we're not making these shifts all at once, right? We are not making this a overhaul everything by next Tuesday kind of a goal. This is not this is not something that you'll be graded on and it's really, it's a practice. So yes, there's four steps here, but it's not really linear. You probably do need to do them in that order the first time and then it's going to be a continual cycle of two steps forward, one step back. That's how change happens. This is not a linear process where it will just be step by step and then we'll get there, the end, destination, perfection. It doesn't really work like that, I'm sorry to say. So I'm going to recap those four steps again. Number one, decide on the culture that you want. Decide on the kind of ideas and customs and social behaviors that you want. Number two, identify the thoughts, beliefs, and actions that enhance and promote that and also that inhibit or undermine that culture that you want. Number three, surround yourself with people who get it and who will support you and hold you accountable towards those goals. And number four, take action. And of course, you continue to follow up and it's this continual cycle of, it's a practice actually, it's not even a cycle, it's a practice. We just keep coming back to it and we keep tweaking and refining and sometimes we don't do it at all and we just get back on the horse and we keep going. So I hope those four steps can help you today as you go on your journey this term towards better health and well-being as a person first and a teacher second. I really wanted to give a quick reminder about Flourishing February. If you don't know already, Flourishing February is a campaign through all the month of February that is running online and on social media. And it was set up by me, Katrina from Katrina Burke Coaching, Katie from Mighty Me and Trudy from Teachers Thriving. It is pitch free. We really just want to get your staff rooms talking and I'm thinking about well-being and supporting each other as humans and as teachers and school staff. So you can go to flourishingfebruary.com.au to sign up for the posters. You can also follow us at Flourishing February on Facebook and Instagram. Every day in the month of February, we're sharing some prompts that can help you individually, but also I hope you're talking about them in your staff rooms the next day, help you take a little step each day or have a little conversation each day about what you can do as a staff to support each other individually and collectively. And the other thing I wanted to just briefly say, keep your eyes and ears out over the next couple of weeks for the School Wellbeing Champions Meetup. I'm going to run another one of those in the next couple of months. We did a couple in November last year and they were wonderful and they're really for teachers who are like that person I mentioned at the beginning here of the teacher who is really passionate about the well-being of students and adults in the school and whether or not your school already has some kind of well-being club or well-being initiatives happening. If you want to be that person in your school, then um, stay tuned. I'll be sharing some more information about that in the weeks to come. Uh, And as always, remember you are a person first and a teacher second and you're so worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, 
hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories, and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.